You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We're on Facebook, so I want you to tag a friend. Let them know that we are live today, and it's going to be just absolutely outstanding. I believe that you're going to be blessed. You can also get the audio of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Now, listen, I got my my iPad here. Uh, If you want to give comments to what I'm sharing today, or you want to ask questions, I want you to send those questions in. You can send them in while I'm teaching. And then at the end of the uh, podcast teaching, then we're going to uh, answer your questions and we'll also uh, communicate your comments. I believe it's going to be a blessing. I decided to do something that I believe is really important. Uh, we teach on Sunday mornings. We're a teaching team, my son Michael Kay and I, along with our campus pastor, Minister Naomi Scarborough in Columbus, Georgia. We're a teaching team. So sometimes we're teaching different areas, but we're teaching the same uh, subject, the same theme. Uh, and I believe it's very powerful. But you know, the Bible says that we're to meditate in the word day and night. And a part of meditation is repetition. So what I did, I decided, okay, I'm going to use my podcast for a while to review, to over uh, look at, to go back over some of the things that we taught on Sunday. I believe it's going to be a blessing. I know that some of you are not connected with Faith Chapel in terms of being members. You have your own church, your own pastor, you're doing your own thing. But we have a connection. You and I have a connection. So I want to make sure that I keep you up to what we're teaching. So we've been teaching a series, a foundational series entitled, uh, entitled, uh, not from around here. Will you hit my clock right there for me? Not from around here. And this is a powerful series. It is a wonderful series. I believe it's, I believe it's going to be just absolutely blessing. It's five lessons. Our theme is the kingdom of God concept and it's bringing heaven to the earth. Now I won't take the time to go back over the first four previous lessons, but this lesson today is lesson five the completion of the Not From Around Here series has been a great blessing. You can download the uh, our, uh, you can download our church app. I believe you can go back. You can go back on uh, Facebook. You can go back on YouTube and get the teaching. And I believe it'll be a blessing. So our final lesson is entitled Ambassadors of Heaven ambassadors of heaven. Now, I I like my podcast. I have a little more time so I can take some scenic routes. I can add some insights and I believe it's just going to be a tremendous blessing for you uh, today. An outstanding blessing for you today. Here's what I discovered. I discovered something. We've been talking about the kingdom of God. 
bringing heaven to earth. Something I did not realize, I did not realize that the Old Testament patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Old Testament patriarchs, and many of the prophets in the Old Testament had a revelation, a spiritual revelation of the kingdom of God. I didn't, I didn't know that. So I want to go back and I want to show you something because I think it's important for us to understand how they viewed the kingdom of God. And then we'll get over to the fact that we're ambassadors and we're citizens of the kingdom. But I, I want us to look at Hebrews. I'm going to do some reading from the book of Hebrews uh, in the New King James Version. I'm going to read some chapter, some verses. And remember, we're talking about ambassadors from of heaven. We're going to look at the fact that we're citizens of heaven. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, I'm reading from the New King James Version, verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 2, for by it the elders obtain a good report. And then verse 3, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Now, when I looked at this text in the light of what we're teaching, I saw something very powerful. I saw that the Old Testament saints, patriarchs in particular, made their mark on the earth through their faith. The Bible says they, they obtain a good report through their faith. But if you look at verse 1 and verse 3 together, you see that faith give evidence is the substance of things not seen. But if you look at verse 3, it talks about the things that are seen were not made of, of visible things. So I, I saw right away that there are two kinds of things. There are things that are seen and things that are not seen. But I, I also realized that if there are things that are not seen and they're real and things that are seen and they're real, there must be two worlds. There's this natural earth world that we live in, but there's a spiritual world. And I saw something that I had never seen before. These Old Testament patriarchs and the people listed in Hebrews chapter 11, they were not just moving out in the earth to accomplish things in the earth, but they were motivated by this unseen world by their faith, and faith is always connected to the unseen world. Now, let's look at Abraham. Abraham, the Bible says in verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed 
God when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive for an inheritance. And the Bible says he went out not knowing where he was going. In other words, God instructed Abraham to leave his country, leave his family, leave everything that was familiar to him and go to a land. And God says, I'll, I'll give you more insight as you're going. So Abraham left without knowing the destination. But he left because his faith was not in the destination. His faith was in the God who made the promise because the God who made the promise had said that I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you if you go. So he put his faith in the invisible God and the promise that he did not see. So he left out. Now watch what it says here. And this is very powerful. It says by faith, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. Then verse 9 says, by faith, he dwelt in the land of promise in, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac, Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. Now, now there's something that I want you to get. Now, it's something I want you to get. The Bible says not only did he leave, but he dwelt in the promised land. That physical, natural achievement, he dwelt in the land. But the Bible says, it's very interesting, that he dwelt in the land as a stranger, as a pilgrim. And then it says something very interesting that I had never paid much attention to. The Bible says that he dwelt in tents. He didn't build a city. He, built, he lived in tents. Tents are temporary dwellings. Then in verse 10, it, it communicates to us why he dwelt in tents. It says, for he waited for the city which the has foundations whose builder and maker is God. Now watch this. The Bible says he dwelt in tents in the promised land. He enjoyed the physical promised land, but he dwelt in tents because he was waiting, verse 10, for the different translation says he was looking forward to something. The Bible says he waited, he was looking forward to, looking for the city which has foundations. And one translation says he was looking for, waiting for the real city. He was looking for, waiting for an eternal city that had foundations and whose whose builder and maker is God. So the Bible says that Abraham got to the promised land, but that wasn't what he was looking for. He was looking for this city that God gave him a revelation of that he saw in his spirit. And he, this city had a foundation. Now he's contrasting a tent from a foundation. Now think about it. Tents don't have a foundation. You move the tent, you you build, you put the tent up, then when you get ready to leave, you you 
put the tent down and move out. But a city has to have foundation. Now that's very important. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you some insight to how this relates to us. So we see Abraham, he's operated on two realms. In the natural world, he's dwelling in the promised land, so he's enjoying natural blessings. And the Bible said God blessed him in the land. But he's looking for something that has a foundation. He's looking for this spiritual, eternal city. Now, if we drop down to verse 13 through 16, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. Now watch this. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland. Now, they were in the city, but they were seeking something else. They were seeking a homeland. And it's obvious that the homeland they were seeking was not in the earth. Now, notice what it says in verse 15. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from whence they came out, they would have opportunity to return. Now, what that text says, they were looking for a city, but it was not the city that they were in the promised land. And it was not in the city where they came out of. The Bible says if they had been homesick or longed for the past, the city they came out of, and Abraham came out of Ur of the Chaldees in Mesopotamia, the Bible says he didn't want to go back to that city. He was looking for something else. Now, there's, there's something that we got to get from these. And then it says in verse 16, but now they desire a better that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he prepared for them a city, a eternal city. Now, what, what, how does this speak to us? Why did you read this about Abraham? Why did you read this about the patriarchs? I want, I want to share this with you because Abraham and the patriarchs did some things right. They did some things right. And God blessed them in the natural realm. But they were not motivated by the natural realm. Now, listen at this. There are four things in particular that I want you to get. Abraham and the patriarchs, they enjoyed their inheritance in the earth. Because the ninth verse of Hebrews chapter 11 said he dwelt in the promised land. When we read other scriptures, we see that God blessed Abraham in all things, cattle, silver, gold. He was one of, if not the wealthiest person in his time. So we see God blessing him in a natural material way. But the second thing, they, they had no desire to go back. No desire. He had no desire to go back to, to the Ur of Chaldeas because in, Ur was a city in Chaldea. It was in Mesopotamia. And when God called Abraham out 
That city was given to idolatry. They worshiped the moon god. And Abraham's family and probably Abraham were idolaters. They worshiped the moon. So God said, I want you to come out of that and I want you to leave everybody and I want you to leave all that stuff and I'm going to take you to another place. Now this text says once they got out, he had no desire to go back. What is that saying to us? That many of us are in, in Christendom. We're saved. We're in the kingdom of God, but we're looking back. We're still, uh, we, we somehow think that what we left is better than what we're experiencing. That's what the Hebrew Christians were experiencing. They were being persecuted. And many of these Christians wanted to go back to Judaism because in Judaism, they had the rituals, the animal sacrifices, these things that they could see. But in Christianity, they had to walk by faith. So they felt like, I want to go back to something I can see, something that I can touch, something I can feel. Don't go back. God call you out of the kingdom of darkness. There's nothing back there that's going to bless you. And so many Christians, they still want to go back to where they came from. Now, the Bible says, and here's the third thing that I want you to get. The Bible says that they were looking for a city that had a foundation because tents don't have foundation. So we see that their, their primary value and focus and motivation was this spiritual kingdom, this spiritual world. I believe they saw the Messiah, the king, but I saw, I believe they saw heaven. I believe that Abraham had a revelation of heaven and a revelation that he was a part of that kingdom, that spiritual kingdom. And the Bible tells us that that's what he was looking for. And notice carefully that he decided to live in tents. Tents don't have a foundation. He was looking for a city that had a foundation. In other words, his foundation was not in the earth. His foundation was not in the earth. He wasn't being motivated by the earth and what he could get in the earth. He was motivated. He wanted that. He wanted to be a part of that spiritual world. He wanted heaven. He wanted this king who would be over this kingdom. That's what his focus was. That's what he was motivated. He wasn't motivated for the cattle, the silver, the gold, and all those things. He was motivated, focused on, energized by the spirit world. What does that say to us? What is our foundation? What is the foundation of your focus? What is the foundation of your motive? What is the foundation of your belief? What is the foundation of your happiness or your peace? So many Christians, their foundation is in the earth. 
And whatever you value, you're going to give time and attention and love toward that thing. And so many Christians, they don't have, and maybe some of you, don't have time for spiritual things. Don't have time for Bible study. Don't have time for prayer. Don't have time for church. Don't have time for sharing your faith. Don't have time because their their foundation is in this natural world. That's their foundation. And that's many Christians' foundation. So in a sense, they're not seeking the kingdom. They're not seeking the spirit. They're more motivated by the natural. And the the Bible is communicating to us that God was able to bless Abraham with the things in the natural because the things in the natural was not his motivation. I hope you're getting this. It was not his foundation. I hope you're getting this. So they saw themselves as dual citizens. I'm in this world, but I'm not going to be connected to it. That's what Abraham felt. I'm in the world. He never tried to fit. He never tried to fit. He operated like a pilgrim. He operated like a stranger. That's what the Bible says. We're not supposed to fit. We can engage, we can bless, but Christians, we're not supposed to fit. We're not supposed to have our foundation in this earth. And so many of us, we don't operate like pilgrims. We operate like this is it. This is the end of it. So I got to get everything and I got to give all my energies to being on top, being successful, being this. So we are motivated by the temporal because this life, even if we live to be 120 years old, it's right here in between these fingers, but eternity has no end to it. So if all our attention, time, and energy is about this life and we're not thinking spiritual things, number one, God is not going to be able to bless us at the level he wants to bless us at because we're not seeking him. We're not seeking the kingdom. We're not seeking spiritual things. We're communicating. We're sticking to the natural. I I pray that that makes some sense to you. Now, with that in in mind, when we look at the kingdom of God, because the Bible says, well, I want to go back to something else. I want to go back to something else that I think is very powerful. The Bible says, even Moses in verse 27, Hebrews eleven twenty-seven, 27, it says, by faith, Moses forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who's invisible. He endured this life because his focus was on him that's invisible. So his focus was on God. So no matter what he dealt with here, he could endure that 
because here and the now was not his focus. He was focused on the invisible. So all these Old Testament characters, they were successful in life, but that wasn't their foundation. That wasn't their motivation. That wasn't uh, the thing that they connected to. They connected to the invisible God. They connected to faith, and faith always has to do with what you can't see. They connected to heaven. They connected, and God was able to bless them in this earth. Then it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 39, it says, these, all these having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. So there were some things that they saw in the spirit world, the Messiah, the kingdom of God, heaven. They saw these things, but they did not receive this. Now watch this. Verse 40, Hebrews eleven forty 40 says, God having provided some better things for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So God would allow them to achieve everything that they saw because God had provided something better for us. So we're in the kingdom. We don't just see the Messiah from a distance. We receive the Messiah. We have the king on the inside of us. We're in the kingdom. We're in what they saw. We're in it. We're in it. We're in what they saw, what they were looking forward to. This king, we know him. He's in our lives. This is a beautiful thing. What I'm saying is that we have to seek first the kingdom and then all the things will be added to us. Now, let's, 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 we're, we're talking about ambassadors of heaven. There are four components of the kingdom of God. Number one, there must be a king. That king is Jesus. Secondly, there must be a territory. That territory is heaven, and heaven is a real, real place, beautiful place, perfect place, peaceful place, a, a just beyond imagination place. Then thirdly, there must be a constitution. The constitution of the kingdom is the Bible. And then number four, there must be citizens. And now let's see from the word that you and I who are Christians are citizens. I see I have a comment here. Uh, we, uh, we are citizens of heaven. Now notice this. And I asked this question in church Sunday. Uh, are Christians, religious church members, trying to make it to heaven when they die? Are we just religious church members? trying to make it to heaven when we die? Or are we more than that? Well, I submit to you, we're more than just religious church members trying to make it to heaven when we die. No, the Bible teaches that we are citizens of heaven, and the Bible tells us we're ambassadors of heaven. So let's talk about our citizenship. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, in the New Living Translation, it says, but we are citizens 
of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lived. We are, if you're born again, if you receive Jesus Christ into your life, you are a citizen of heaven. So let's talk about what's connected to citizenship. Let's talk about the natural side. Every citizen on the natural side, if you're a citizen of America, uh, United States, a citizen of France, a citizen of Germany, a citizen of Nigeria, if you are a city citizen, then you have a legal right to certain benefits and certain advantages. And in America, our rights as citizens are listed in what we call the Bill of Rights in the Constitution. But not only as a citizen do we have rights, we have the right to expect our government to play a role in our well-being. The government should provide leadership. The government should provide order. The government should uh, create laws that facilitate order. The government should provide security. The government should provide benefits, public services, economic services. So we have our benefits and advantages as a citizens that others don't have that are not citizens. And we have an expectation that our government will play a role. But we specifically in the United States of America, we have a role to, and responsibilities ourselves as citizens. And as citizens, we are responsible for respecting and obeying the federal, local, and state laws of our country. We have a responsibility as citizens to pay taxes. We have a responsibility to, as citizens to respect the property and rights of others. So there is our rights and our benefits. A lot of times we talk about our rights, but there's the government's role, but then it's our responsibilities that we have to operate and perform. That's the same way it is in Christendom. In Christendom, as citizens of heaven, we have rights. We have benefits that are promised to us. There are advantages to being a Christian, being a citizen of heaven. And those benefits are outlined in our Constitution, the Bible. And we have a right to expect our government, and since we're citizens of heaven, then the government that we're connected to is the government of heaven. So we have a right to expect our government, the government of heaven, to support us and to back us. And God is so committed to this that he sent the Holy Spirit as the governor so that he could explain to us what heaven is about, but also help us to function in our responsibilities. So we're citizens as Christians of heaven. So our foundation as Christians is not in the earth. That's not our source of motivation. That, that's not the reason we live. We don't just live for this earth and for right now. We have a government over us. It's heaven. 
And God is going to do his part. The government of heaven is going to support us. But we have responsibilities as citizens of heaven. We have a responsibility, watch this now, to embrace the beliefs of heaven. We have a responsibility to embrace the values of heaven. We have a responsibility to embrace the laws of heaven, the lifestyle of heaven, the agenda of heaven. Now, if we expect our government to support us and back us, we have to do our part. And since we are citizens of heaven, we have to be intentional about learning about heaven in the same way we're intentional about going to school, getting degrees, and trying to climb the ladder and all those things, we have to be intentional about our citizenship in heaven because we got responsibilities. And our responsibilities involve embracing the beliefs of heaven. In other words, we go to the scripture, we go to the word, and we see what does heaven believes? How does heaven see things? We have to embrace the beliefs of heaven for what our king values. We have to value the values of heaven. What does heaven value? What does our king value? That must be our value. We must embrace the laws of heaven. How is heaven governed? How is heaven governed? We know how the world is governed. We get as much as we can. We, like someone said, we get as much as we can. We sit, we, we uh, sit on the can and, 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 and we on top, okay? But the kingdom is different. The kingdom is not set up where we just get, get, get. The kingdom is set up where we give, 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 that we receive based on our giving. So we have to be intentional about learning the laws that govern heaven. We also have to be intentional about embracing the lifestyle of heaven. The lifestyle of heaven, our king, determines our lifestyle. And when we're allowing the lifestyle of heaven to govern us, we're going to be foreigners in this land. We're going to be aliens just like Abraham. We're going to be aliens. We're not going to fit. And if you fit where, I mean, you just fit like a glove with the culture of this world and there's no discomfort and no persecution, then it's because you're not embracing the lifestyle of heaven. Because when you embrace the lifestyle of heaven, you're going to feel awkward in this world. You're going to feel different. You're not going to fit it. And I submit to you that we fit. Christians, we're fitting. There's no discomfort. We can blend with the world just like everybody. We look like the world, talk like the world, act like the world, dress like the world, and we're fitting. No, Abraham was successful, and you should be successful, but he didn't fit. He dwelt in tents. In other words, he was saying to the world, I'm not going to get connected to you like this. No, I'm not saying you got to live in a tent. No, I'm saying you can't connect to it and you can't fit to it. 
You're an alien. You're a pilgrim. You're a citizen of heaven, and you have to embrace the agenda of heaven. So heaven has to be your first point of reference. When you wake up in the morning, when you wake up in the morning, it should not be about how am I going to get ahead in this world? All of your energy and all of your thoughts and all of your ambitions and all of your desires can't be focused on this world because it's going to run from you and you're not going to get help. But if your first reference point, I am a citizen of heaven and my values will be heavenly values. I will be governed by laws of heaven. I will embrace the lifestyle of heaven. I will embrace the agenda of heaven. Then I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you don't have to worry about the house and the car and the clothes and the position. I am telling you, God is going to make sure that you excel in this life, but you're going to excel at a level you could not excel at without his support. Seek first the kingdom and all these things. He's not saying you're not going to have anything. He said, no, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to you just like I gave it to Abraham. I'm going to bless you just like I bless Abraham. But our focus has to be kingdom. It can't be us. It can't be me getting ahead and me winning and me doing this and me being blessed. We have to start thinking about the kingdom of God. How do I honor my king? How do I connect in partnership with my king? He wants to do something in this earth, and I want to help my king. I want to help Jesus to do what he wants to do in this earth. I want to bring heaven to the earth. Now, not only are we citizens of heaven, but we're also ambassadors of heaven. Now, notice what it says and and. and 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 in the New Living Translation. 2 Corinthians, I see I have a, a question there. Thank you so very much. Thank you for your questions. I'm going to try to answer all your questions at the end. You can send them in now. That's why we did this. We want you to be able to engage and get involved. So we're ambassadors. We're ambassadors of heaven. We're ambassadors of heaven. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 20 in the new living translation, it says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We, you and I, Christians, believers, we're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. So let's talk about ambassadorship. What is an ambassador? I'm going to give you a natural definition. And I would like for you to Google ambassador because if you understand um, ambassadorship, it's going to change your whole life. It will change your whole life when you really understand that that's not just a verse in the Bible. That's not just a verse. 
It's a part of God's agenda. Christ's agenda is that his people be ambassadors for him. So what is an ambassador? You can Google this for yourself, but I'll give you a definition. An ambassador is an, a, a diplomatic official of the highest rank. A diplomatic official of the highest rank who lives in a foreign country and represents his or her own country's interests. I'll say that again. An ambassador is a, a diplomatic official of the highest rank who lives in a foreign country, works in that foreign country, and represents his or her own country's interests. Now, that's, that's a really great definition. So this ambassador, let's say you're an ambassador of the United States. You're an ambassador of the United States, let's say, to India. Okay, that means you would live in India, you will work in India, you will retain your citizenship in America, the United States, so you will be a, a citizen of the United States, but you're living in India, and you're working in India, and you're representing the concerns and the interests of the United States and the head of states, the head of the United States, uh, President Biden. So you're in this foreign country, but and you're living in that foreign country and you're working in that foreign country. But because you're in that country doesn't mean you've lost your citizenship. You're still an American. You're just an American, and you're representing the head of our country, the president, and you're representing the interests and concerns of our country. That's a natural illustration. When we think spiritually, then we Christians are ambassadors of Christ. We're living on the earth. We're working on the earth, but we're citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is heaven, but we're working in the earth. We're living in the earth, and we're representing the king of heaven, Jesus, and we're representing the country, heaven's interest. So we're in this earth. We're not citizens of this earth. From God's vantage point, we're citizens of heaven. Now, we have dual citizenships because on a natural level, we may be a citizen of the United States. But when God looks at us, he sees us as being citizens of heaven and as ambassadors. We're in the earth, serving in the earth, working in the earth, but we're representing Jesus and we're representing the country of heaven's interest. Now, that's absolutely powerful. It is something that you have to meditate on. And if you meditate on it, it will change your 
life. It will literally, I said this Sunday, it will literally get the cuss out of you. Now, cuss is is a colloquial expression, which means profanity. It'll it'll clean up your speech. It It will not just clean up your speech, it'll clean up your life. It clean up your connections. It clean up your behavior. It clean up your reactions. If you understand that you're an ambassador of Christ, an ambassador of heaven. Now, there are four responsibilities that an ambassador of heaven has. Four responsibilities. Number one, and I'm going to I'm going to give you these then we'll come back look at Jesus. I see I got another question. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for your questions. And we're going to get to them and then we're going to have time to get to all of them. Now listen at this. An ambassador of heaven, that's you, that's me. Our first responsibility is to speak the king's words, not our words and not our opinions. The second responsibility of an ambassador of heaven is to show earth what the king, Jesus, and heaven look like. The third responsibility of us ambassadors of Christ, we must carry out the policies and the agenda established by the king. That's Jesus. And then fourthly, we must spread the kingdom of God across the globe. Those are our responsibilities. Now, watch this. Watch this. When we plug Jesus in this, because Jesus was an ambassador, he was an ambassador of heaven, then we see it makes sense what he said. Jesus said, I speak the words that were given to me. What I hear my father say, I say. So everything Jesus was saying was what the father said. Wasn't his opinion. He was speaking the words of the father. Then Jesus realized that his responsibility was to show earth what the father was like, what heaven was like. So Jesus said in John 14, 9, he said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus said that he that has seen me has seen the Father. If, you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Because he knew his job as an ambassador of heaven was to show earth what the Father looked like. Thirdly, his whole policy and agenda was to establish the Father's program in the earth. He said, I do not my will, but the will of him that sent me. And then finally, he spread the kingdom of God across the globe. And he did it by pouring his life into people that we call apostles, sent ones. Now, let's put ourselves in this situation. And this is powerful. If we're an ambassador of heaven, we have four responsibilities as Christians, citizens of heaven, ambassadors of heaven. Number one, we must speak Jesus' words and not our own. We must not give our opinion. So our opinion from the the day we get revelation has nothing to do with anything. What we think about this, what we think about marriage, what we think about sex, what we think about finances, what we think about money, what we think about relationships, what we think about work, has our opinion is irrelevant and immaterial. Our job is to speak 
the words of the king, Jesus, and not our opinion. So Jesus' opinion is in the Constitution, in the Bible. So that's what we're supposed to be speaking, not what we think, what we feel. You know, I think, I feel. No, 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 no. We lost our right to give our opinion and base our life off our opinion when we confess Jesus as Lord. That's what you were doing. You were inviting Jesus into your life to be King, Lord of your life. So you lost your right. You lost your right to have an opinion about stuff. Your opinion is what the King opinion is. Secondly, as an ambassador, your job, my job is to show earth what Jesus is like and what heaven is like. In fact, on your job, at school, in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood, in your business, your responsibility is to show earthlings, because you're not from around here, to show them what Jesus is like and what heaven is like. And in fact, in every setting, now this may put pressure on you because it put pressure on me too, in every setting, you should stand in those settings symbolically and say, if you want to know what Jesus look like, look at me. If you want to know what Jesus look like, look at me. That's our job as Christians, to show the earth what Jesus look like, what heaven look like. If you want to know what heaven look like, look at my family. Look at how we relate to each other. Look, look at how I operate on my job. Look at me. Look at me. If you want to know what Jesus is like and what heaven is like, look at me. That's your job. That's my job. That's our job. You say, well, that's too much right there because we're just humans. No, you don't find that in the Bible. You don't find that in the Bible. The Bible says that you, see, that's your opinion. There you go with your opinion. The Bible said we're ambassadors of Christ. We're supposed to represent him. We're supposed to speak his words, and we're supposed to show people what he looks like. Now, that will get the cuss out of you. It will change how you work, change how you relate to your spouse, change how you relate to your kids, because you're supposed to show your kids what Jesus looked like. Your home should be what heaven looks like. That's awesome. We're to carry out the policies and the agendas of the king, and we're to spread the kingdom of God across the globe. Now, watch this. The Holy Spirit has been sent to help us to do just what I just said. Not in our own strength. His job is to help us to do what I just said. Now, when we're in good standing, and I'm not talking about righteousness, I'm not talking about being saved, but when we have an understanding of kingdom and what seeking kingdom is, because seeking kingdom is not about us, it's about Jesus. It's about representing him. It's about bringing his values and his laws and his personality and his agenda in the earth. And when we are committed to that, the government of heaven is committed to support us. Now watch this. An ambassador's home government provides him or her with everything they need to live and perform their official duties. If you are an ambassador, an American ambassador, United States ambassador to India, or you're an ambassador to um, Haiti, or you're an ambassador to South Sudan, and the reason I said those areas 
because South Sudan is considered the poorest country in the world. It's in Eastern Africa. Haiti is considered the poorest country in Latin America. India, it has been said that 60% of India's 1.3 billion people population live in, on less than $3.10. So all three are considered poor. India, Haiti, South Sudan. If you are an ambassador to any one of these cities, then it is the responsibility of the government, United States of America, to pay for your housing, pay for your car, pay for your, your bills. You're not in these countries trying to make it on your own. Now, that's powerful. And so when you're representing heaven, you're an ambassador of heaven, it's the government of heaven's job to take care of you. That's the government's job. Now watch this. An ambassador lives in an embassy. It's the official residence of the ambassador. So you have an, in, you have an embassy in India, South Sudan, and Haiti. You got your own embassy. That's your dwelling place. Now watch this. The property of the embassy is the same as the country it represents. So if anybody is trying to get to the embassy, let's say you're a citizen, let's say you, you're trying to get to the embassy in South Sudan or the, India, the U.S. embassy in India or the U.S. embassy in Haiti, the moment you step on the property of the embassy, that is the United States even though it's in South Sudan, even though it's in India, even though it's in Haiti, that's America. Now, what that tells us is that your, wherever you are, Christian, is an embassy. So your home is an embassy, where you work is an embassy, where you go to school is an embassy, because where you, ambassador, is, is an embassy. Now watch this. The embassy is always as rich as the country the ambassador comes from. So if you're in the if you're in South Sudan, the poorest country in the world, and you own that property, and you're an ambassador there, you're as rich as the United States, even though you're in the poorest country in the world. The embassy is always as rich as the country. Now I'm gonna close with this statement and then I got questions, I got four, I got some comments and I got some questions and you can send them in. Now I want you to listen to this and if you don't get anything else out of this, about this ambassadorship, it's so very important. An ambassador is the country. An ambassador is the head of state. If you're an ambassador, you're the country. You say, well, how could I be the country if I'm an ambassador? Well, symbolically, you represent the country. If you're an ambassador, 
you are the head of state. If you're an ambassador of the United States, you're President Biden. Now, what do you mean by that? I'm the United States. I'm the President Biden. Well, anything, whatever an ambassador does in that foreign country, the global community will impute it to the country he represents. So if you're in a foreign country representing the United States, if you get drunk and shoot up 10 or 20 or 30 folk and just kill them, the global community is not going to attribute that to you. The global community is going to attribute that to President Biden and the United States of America. So what does that say to us Christians? Whatever you do, whether it be good or bad, the global community, the world, is going to attribute it to Jesus and heaven. They're going to attribute. That's how important our role is as ambassadors of Christ. Now, I trust that that, that bless you. It may have put some pressure on you, but guess what? It put pressure on me, too. We are diplomats of the highest order. I mean, beyond being sons and daughters, there's no higher honor that we can have than the fact that we're ambassadors. We represent Jesus and heaven in the earth. That's, that's just powerful to me. Now, I got, I got some questions here. Thank you for your questions. You always give some good comments and questions, so I'm going to look at them now. And I close a minute. Comment. I'm an ambassador and I don't have an opinion about it, but the word of God has truth about it. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're an ambassador, so you lost your right to your opinion. That's good. Question. Should our government force vaccines over our heavenly beliefs when we tell our job, when we tell our job we don't agree with being forced or fired. Well, you know, let me let me let me say something about it. Now, you 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 you're gonna have to you you're gonna have to. You may not even agree with what I'm saying. You may not agree with what I'm saying because that's a good question. Should our government force vaccines over our heavenly beliefs when we tell? We tell our job we don't agree with being forced or fired. Now, okay, I I, I did a a, a a thing on that, so I'm not going to get deep into that. But I am going to say this. I think in some cases we're we're operating. Now you can disagree. Remember, we're in love with each other. We're operating in selective amnesia to me because we put this vaccine on one level and but we w see the government mandates a lot of things and doesn't even ask us about it the 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 government mandate wearing seat belts well you can say well I don't believe in seat belts but the government mandated it now the vaccine, you got to decide. I already talked about that. You got to decide whether you want, you want to do it or what. 
But the government has always mandated stuff. They didn't just start with the vaccine. Kids have to be vaccinated. You were vaccinated as a child. Your parents took you to the doctor and they vaccinated you because you couldn't even go to school. You had to be vaccinated to go to college. You had to have certain vaccinations and they required it. They didn't ask you. They didn't ask you about that. They mandated that. They mandate seatbelts. A lot of things the government mandate. When you go on an airplane, they mandate this. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't do this. They mandate you have to have a passport. Don't just put it over on here. All the other stuff are mandates. Our country have always mandated certain things. We just decided to put this on a different level. But but we've already always been mandated to do certain things. And when you say, uh, when people say, I don't agree my heavenly beliefs, well, there's another side of it, okay? What if what I'm believing impacts somebody else? See, I talked about we have a right to certain things, okay? But we also have responsibilities. What if my freedom impinges on somebody else? What if what I'm believing and can infect other folk? So when you talk about can the government do it, well, you just got to make a choice. You, you just got to make a choice. And you can put up signs and stuff like that, and you get fired, then you just got to believe God. You just got to believe God. But don't talk about mandates, because we mandated. There are a lot of things we we're required to do, and we don't have a choice about it. They don't give us a choice whatsoever. They mandate it. So it's not just a vaccine. There's a lot of other things in life that we're mandated to do. Comment, I mean, thanks for helping me to be delivered from people's opinion because I'm not supposed to fit in. So it's okay to be talked about because I don't have a desire to fit in when it comes to doing the things of this world. And, and you know, I'm glad you, you feel better about that because I think we fit in too much. I think we fit in too much. I think we're trying to make everybody love us. And I'm not talking about being ugly and rude, but I'm talking about we're trying to make everybody love us when everybody's not going to love us. Now, when we get into the next series, we're going to see that if we lift Jesus up, we'll draw people. We won't draw everybody, but we'll draw some people if we lift him up, not our flesh and not our religion. If we lift him up, he's going to draw some people, you know. Uh, but I, I hope this message makes us feel uncomfortable. It makes me feel uncomfortable. Because, see, I can't say anything I want to say on my job. I can't just curse and get on Facebook and show everybody I'm doing this and I'm doing this. Look at us. We're having a great time. We hold up our beer cans and our alcohol and all that. You can do it. You can do it. It's not illegal. Go on Facebook. Hold up your alcohol. Hold up everything you're doing. You can do it. But who are you representing? Who are you representing? Who are you representing? Are you representing Jesus? Or are you representing Satan? You just got to think about that. 
question after good afternoon, Pastor. My question is on our opinions, which you mentioned Sunday. I understand when you said we gave up our opinions when we gave our life to Jesus. Are the opinions we should insert in conversation, Jesus kingdom values, is not the opinion we may we may give. For example, my husband asked me which shoes look better. See, I'm see, I'm 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 not I'm not which shoes look better? When I say you lost your right to your opinion, I'm not, I'm not talking about just life. Uh, see, I had an opinion about changing the podcast and reviewing things, and you're going to have a lot of opinions. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the kingdom says this. Okay, I'll give you an illustration because sex is a big thing in our culture. We could talk premarital sex, adultery sex, homosexuality sex. We can, you can put anyone you want to plug in there. What does the word say about it? Premarital sex. What does it say about uh, adultery? Extramarital relations. What does the Bible says about uh, same-sex relations. What does the Bible say? I am saying, if the Bible says this, this, and this, then we lose our opinion. We don't have a right for the king to say, this is what I believe. See, the king, the Constitution, the Bible, is the king's book. It's his revelation of how life should be lived. So once we find out what the Bible that's the king's revelation says we lose our opinion because our opinion should be his. It's not something that we feel. And I'm saying a lot of times we're saying, well, I just don't feel this and I don't feel that. I'm saying you lost your right to have an opinion outside of the word. That's basically what I'm saying. Good questions. Comment. Thank you, Pastor Mike, for this anointed teaching today. You have no idea what has been on my mind concerning Hebrews 11. I'm so thankful to you for your teaching. This teaching today has shown me I must be careful who I listen to regarding God's word, and the proof came quickly. Lord, I thank you. Comment. I got one more comment. I can't remember the whole of your statement about getting to know the constitution of heaven in the same way we pursue achievement and advancements on job and education. Your statement really resonated with me when I think of the effort I personally gave to advance and achieve on jobs or in my education, hearing your statements make me more determined to continually grow and know the constitution of heaven and the bill of rights we have been given as citizens of heaven in greater depths. I'm so happy that you made that comment because that comment tell me you got what I was saying. I, and you got it. And, and your comment lets me know that you, you got what I was saying. Um, I wasn't saying, and you, based on your comment, you knew I wasn't saying this, but to others, I'm saying this. I wasn't saying it was wrong to get an education, to, to pursue a job position. or I'm just saying the effort that we put into those things and the energy we put into getting a degree and the energy we put on being successful in this life, if we match that kind of intensity energy into understanding the kingdom and the, the values of the kingdom and the word of God and all that, 
I'm telling you, we would, we would just make a mark in this world and we wouldn't lose the things. I, here's the deal. God wants us to have the position and the power and the things and the house and the car. He wants us to have it. He just wants us to pursue his way rather than the world's way. I think that's great. Um, uh, this is a question. So as an ambassador, I'm given all the tools and the resources to represent heaven, pastor. Yes, right. You're absolutely right. We're given all the tools and the resources. If there are roadblocks, mountains, or other things making it hard to represent the kingdom, am I being judged if I'm not representing heaven the way God wishes it represented? Well, I think there's going to always be roadblocks and mountains and things making it hard. I think that's just a part of the journey. So if you run into a roadblock or a mountain or other things that's making it hard, then you know that the king of darkness is trying to stop you from representing the kingdom of light, the kingdom of God. That's all that means, the hardship the mountains, the roadblocks, are Satan trying to get you to stop representing or not representing Jesus and the kingdom of heaven. It is spiritual warfare. It is spiritual warfare. I mean, it's serious spiritual warfare. But God gave us the spirit of God and the word of God to help us to be victorious. And we can be victorious. We can represent him. Satan is his kingdom. Satan and his kingdom is inferior because Satan is a defeated foe. He's not in the same on the same level as we are or the same level, certainly not God, but he's not even on the same level as us. He's a defeated foe. He's challenging because he wants people to be in his kingdom and he wants people to represent his kingdom. So if you're finding it difficult, then you're in good shape. Because that means you're pressing towards something that God is pleased with. And just hold on, ask the Spirit of God to give you grace, give you wisdom, give you understanding, and he'll help you. He'll help you. Good questions. Glad you responded. I trust we went over a little bit, but I think this is very important. I love you very much, and we're going to pick up next week because now we got to start building that, infra that, that uh, superstructure on top of this foundation that we've laid. I love you, and thank you for your participation today.